Delighted you've joined us for the second week of this series called Love is a Verb. Today I want to talk about love care. Let's jump right into our passage, 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. And our theme verse for this entire series is really verse 18. We'll get to that in just a minute. Listen to what this disciple who uh, was a disciple of Jesus, listen to what he writes to the people in his congregation. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Variance the reading. On last week, looking at this passage, this passage framed for us a basic question that all of us, especially those who are Jesus followers, because this is written to Jesus followers, have at various seasons in our lives. And it's simply this. Does God care? And it is the disciple who was with Jesus for three and a half years of ministry, who was there at his crucifixion, who was there three days later uh, and was the first to among the first to experience the empty tomb, who interacted with the resurrected Jesus for another uh, 50 days on the other side before the ascension. It is this disciple, John, who writes to his faith community and he says, Here's how you know that God cares when you don't see a miracle, when there's no no immediate sign that he's paying attention to you. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down voluntarily, laid down his life for us. And we ought to replicate that kind of love in our own lives. So the first question is, does God cares? He says, Just remember what Jesus did for you. As we enlarge the lens a little bit on that passage, though, another question comes into focus. It's simply this. How do I know what real love is? You know, in a world where we're trying to figure out what's true and what's false, in a world where we're trying to figure out uh, what can we trust and versus what is it that's trying to seduce us? I mean, you may be a person who's come out of a perhaps a family of origin that was highly dysfunctional and you're thinking about your relationship choices over the last several months or the last several years and you've recognized this unique pattern that every time you make a choice for love, what you get out of that is not so loving in terms of the experience. And so you're asking yourself the question, how do I know a love that is trustworthy? How do I recognize it when I see it? And so the writer of John tells us, well, look, that real love at its best is a Jesus-like love. And a Jesus-like love is is a love that imitates, that reflects what we learn in this notion that Jesus laid down his life for us. It's extravagant. That was an extravagant thing for Jesus to do. When you run into Jesus-like love, it makes you go, wow. It's unconditional, right? He, 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 he did it for, for us before we were born, whether we accept it or reject it. You know, it's, it, he, he, he loves us. It's not contractual. It's not I'll do for you if you do for me. It's sacrificial. It costs him something. It's, it's, it's generous. It, it, as you experience it, you know that you are experiencing a gift. And, and on the one hand, 
Uh, while most of us, all of us at some point or another, we're looking for that kind of real love. John says, well, you'll find that first and foremost in God as he has revealed it in his son, Jesus. And the deeper your relationship is with Jesus, the greater your experience is of that love. But John also says that while you're looking for that love, that you ought to be an expression of that love yourself. Because you know what? Ultimately, love cares. That, that people should find in you a kind of love that makes them go, wow. They should find in you a kind of love that's not contractual. That's not I'll do for you if you do for me. That they should find in relating to you a kind of love that, that, that is sacrificial along the way. And that comes across as, as an unconditional gift. Is that your life? Is that what people find in you? The people who work with you? The people who live with you? Is that how they would say that's, is that what love feels like to them? Now, there's a secret in this kind of love. Notice I said a Jesus-like love. Come on, say it. Jesus-like love. Another way of talking about it is, is this phrase here, the love of God. Now, embedded in this love of God, this Jesus-like love, is really God's plan to change the world. Look how it's hinted at in John's follow-up to what he just told us. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity or compassion on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Notice the phrase, the love of God be in that person. Now, here's God's strategic plan for the world. The God's strategic plan for the world is that for the 7 billion plus people on the planet, what, what God's goal, what God's strategic plan is, is to get the love of God into everyone's heart. It's for the love of God. Come on, say with me, love of God. Say with me, heart of God, love of God. The heart of God. It's the same thing. It's for the heart of God to be born into the life of 7 billion plus people. If politicians have the heart of God, it changes their public policy. Come on now. If, if, uh, if, 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 if people who are in relationship uh, with one another have the heart of God, it changes how they relate to people. When, when, if you've got the heart of love, it changes how you even disagree with people. And God's plan is to get his heart born in you. And so the scripture tells us that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit gives birth to the heart of God in us, the love of God. But here's the problem that is raised by John. Because John is looking around and he's seeing a lot of people in his congregation, in his faith community, that is saying, look, I've been, I like to use this term, I've been born again. I've got the love of God in me. And, and, but they're walking past people who are in need and they are not moved. And says, well, how is that possible? Well, let me suggest one possibility. One possibility is, on the one hand, it's possible to have the, the love of God born in my heart. On the other hand, to have that, that birth stagnated, that it doesn't grow, it doesn't develop, it doesn't become great and greater and greater to the extent that it, over, it overtakes my dreams and overtakes my desires and overtakes the, way, the choices that I make in the world. It stagnates. So let me ask you a question. Is it possible that the love of God that is perhaps active in your life, has it stagnated? Living in a broken world will stagnate the love of God. Running into tragedy after tragedy will stagnate the love of God. 
has the love of God been stagnated? Have the development, the growth of that love been stunted in your life? Well, here's a summary of, of, what, of what John is teaching. Real love, watch this, cares. Actually, real love cares for others. Fathers. Man, if educators and mechanics and chefs and dads and moms and teenagers, if we could be overtaken with a real love that cared for others, the world would change. Your house would change. Our circumstances would change. Real love cares for others. And so, Here's how the disciple changes, how he summarizes the theme for this series. So, dear children, let us not love simply with eloquent words or eloquent speech. No, no, no. But with actions. You're looking for actions. Trustworthy love reveals itself in actions that are sincere, that are authentic, that, that, that moves towards others. God is inviting you and he's inviting me to to. To grow that love in our lives. Here's how that love grows, right? We, we, we develop it when we practice it. Say it with me. We develop it, come on, when we practice it. Yeah. We develop it when we practice it. Love cares for others. And so that is why Paul writes to his son Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, the verse that is really in many ways a theme verse for our Be Rich to Others campaign. He says, look, teach the folk in your congregation uh, that this is how they ought to use their money. They ought to use their money doing good. They ought to seek uh, to be rich in, uh, in good deeds. And to be generous to others. Look at this. Love cares for others. Love cares for others. Love cares for others. And what he's trying to say is, look, Get your congregation to practice it so they can develop it, to practice the love of God so that the love of God can grow greater and greater and greater and greater in their lives. Change how they think and change what they look for and desire and dream for. Yeah, he wants that for you. And so we collectively are practicing that here as we engage in our Be Rich to Others uh, holiday outreach campaign. Let me just share a little bit about how this notion, I told you that this notion of the love of God, how love cares for others, that notion literally changes lives. You know, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's, that's church language for saying I surrendered my life and to, to Jesus that he would be totally in charge of my today and my destiny when I was in eighth grade. And, and in that moment, I believe that the Holy Spirit gave birth to, 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 to the love of God in a fresh way in my life. But for the next two years, it didn't really work itself out in my behavior. I was still causing all kinds of havoc and all kinds of pain and all kinds of trauma as I was working through my own inner traumas uh, in my classroom setting, in my school setting. My grand-aunt and grand-uncle who had adopted me and were raising me, man, they were crying, they were praying, they were believing God, and they were still accumulating more heartache after heartache after heartache. When I got into 10th grade, I had a little crush on a little girl that I had been praying 
that she would break up with her football player. They had broke up. She, was, she saw an opportunity to make the football player jealous one day, so she called me to come over and sit by her, and I went to sit by her, and she started whispering in my ear, and I was almost faint before somebody tapped me on my shoulder. I look up as a football player. He tells me to get up. I get up. He hits me. I hit the ground. That's the end of the fight, and they walk away head in head. I get up, and I go into the boy's bathroom, and as I'm cleaning up, I have an epiphany. The first epiphany is part of it is I'm flunking out of school. That doesn't really bother me that much. I don't think that I'm smart. I feel like I'm destined to flunk out of school. The second epiphany is I have this picture of my granduncle and aunt who are now in their late 60s and early 70s, how devastated they would be once the day came that I would have flunked out of school and I would fail. I would be the high school dropout. I could see their lives totally shattered and that that image, that picture that I saw totally grabbed hold of my heart and shattered me. And, 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 and immediately before I knew it, I, I, was, I, I was in prayer and I said, Lord Jesus, they said that if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. I don't actually need you to move any mountains. I need you to open some doors and give me opportunity. Here's three things I want. And I didn't want those three things just for me. What, what, what I was being motivated by, what I was being inspired by, was, was a love that was coming to fruition, that was a love that cared for others. It was about my uncle. It was about my granduncle and my grandaunt. Lord, I want to be on the stage with the honor students. I want to I graduate and go to college. And I want my grandaunt and uncle to know that they haven't wasted their lives. And I walked out of the boy's bathroom, and the Lord used that to radically transform my life. And at the end of it all, I was on the stage with the, uh, gradu- with the, stage of the honor students when I graduated. I went to college, and yes, my grandaunt uncle knew that, that their, their, their sacrifice was worth it. It all happened because God exploded in me a love that cared for others. You see the point? That's how he changed my life as I started thinking about others rather than wallowing in my own misery, bathing in my own sense of trauma and pain. I know God is talking to somebody right now. I know God is talking to somebody right now. All right, let me, let me offer you two kind of pictures uh, that, that really drive this home. The first picture is I want to show you a video of a woman that is interacting with one of my favorite guys, Steph Curry. Uh, she lost her job, and you'll hear about her story in just a moment. But instead of wallowing in her own trauma and her own pain, she goes and she volunteers. And she's working for an organization that, that provides food and, and uh, all of the kind of items that we're going to be putting together in our hygiene kits. They provided all those items for about 2,000 people on a regular basis. Well, the guy who leads that effort, the program main truck was also stolen. So what he doesn't know is is that uh, Steph has gotten him to nominate this lady that's going to be blessed, but he doesn't know he's going to get blessed. So check out the video. As a collective, we nominated Angelica. She's an amazing hard worker. Angelica came to us two weeks after the pandemic hit. We didn't know she had lost her job. She stepped up as a leader and we were just deeply impressed the moment she arrived. You know, to struggle to pay the rent, to almost lose your apartment is so difficult. You know, imagine you're losing your job and you're impacted by COVID. You're not sure what to do. What she decided to do is come here three days a week and give of her time to the people. That is an amazing thing to do. And it was a no brainer for us. Hey, oh my goodness. 
heard a lot about all the amazing things that you're doing in the community. Obviously, this is a tough time for a lot of people, but selfless people like yourselves that are looking out for the next person. That's the only way we're all going to get through this. I teamed up with Rakuten to uh, bring some joy, hopefully. First, I have a special jersey here that's signed that I want to be able to give to you. We would also like to give you a uh, $10,000 check as uh, a token of our appreciation for all that you do. Oh, oh guys, thank you. Thank you so much. Special people deserve special things, so thank you so much for what you do. But uh, it doesn't stop there. So I want to be able to hand you this. What? We want to be able to gift you a new truck. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, man. When our when our truck was stolen, you know, we feed over 2,000 people in East Oakland. And then to go from that to nothing, this is amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. What a blessing. In unfortunate situations like that, it's hard to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. We know it's going to be put to good use. Thank you, y'all. Thank y'all. Una ayuda para mi familia, especialmente para estos momentos tan difíciles que estamos pasando todos para pagar mis biles, para pagar mis rentas, por permitirme regalarme este dinero que me ayuda mucho. Muchas gracias. Wow. What a powerful, powerful story. I just love this story. Now, of course, if you know anything about me, you know that Steph Curry is one of my favorite people. And, and uh, it's, it's a delight to see, you know, he's a Jesus follower and he makes millions of dollars. It's great to see him uh, be a blessing in this kind of way. But, but the point that I really want to make is really not about Steph Curry. Uh, it's, it's really about this amazing woman, uh, Angelica, Angelica. Uh, let me just say one thing, though, about Curry, and that is that what he does in partnership with the company, he gives out of his uh, extra. Someone say extra. But think about this lady, Angelica. Here she is. She's lost her job. She's in the middle of a pandemic. COVID has just hit. From the sound of it, it also had hit her family. She could have chosen just to stay home and to Walla in the misery of the unfairness of life. She could have just chosen to be lost in her own story and lost in her own pain. Because so many of us get lost in our own story and get lost in our own pain. Or on the other side, we get lost in our own ambition and lost in our own dream pursuit. That we don't, we don't, we don't see the pain or hear the stories of others or care about the dream pursuits of others. We're just focused on ourselves. But that's not what she did. She pre-decided. She says, look, I've got some extra. I'm not working. I've got some extra days. I've got some extra time. So while I'm going to keep looking for a job and doing the things I need to do, she pre-decided I'm going to use three days a week and a certain amount of time each of those days to care for others, to be a blessing to others, to, to, to be a source through which God's extravagant unconditional, sacrificial, generous love will flow into the lives of others because you know what? Love cares for others and I just can't get lost in my own misery. I know I'm talking to I know God is talking to somebody here today, right? And in the process, the door opened for a miracle to show up in her life to attend to the needs that she needed. Now, that miracle is not going to always look the same. But the teaching insight here is that when we look 
past our own stuff and not get lost in our stuff and see others and allow love to care for others, it always comes back to you. It always comes back to me. So that's the first story. The second story I want to get to is, and, and, and I want to point out that she didn't have money. She had time. She had talent. And so she gave out of her extra time and she utilized her talent. So let me just challenge you. How do you use it? You know, someone says that if we work 60 hours a week, if we slept eight hours a night, we still have 52 hours of discretionary time left over. Have you, have you thought about how you're going to use your, your discretionary time? I want to just challenge you. Pre-decide how you're going to use a percentage of that discretionary time. Is it 5%, 10%? Come up with a percentage of here's how I'm going to use a percentage of my discretionary time. Being a blessing to somebody else. Maybe you don't have lots of money like Steph does, but you have talent, you have time. Maybe you can tutor a kid. Maybe you can mentor uh, someone who's in your profession, right? Find a way to use your time and your talent. All right, let me just talk a little bit about money. I, I want to suggest that here in America, I've said this before, that we're usually more wealthy than we feel, especially in comparison to tons of people across the world. And so I want to suggest that while it is true that lots of us are stretched thin and we are totally struggling, it is also true that many of us, we too have extra that we could give financially from. Extra. Everybody shout extra. You say, well, I don't really have extra. I'm living in Silicon Valley. The cost of living here, I'm just totally stretched. So let me just, let me just take a moment and borrow the x-ray eyes from Superman. You know, Superman has those x-ray eyes. Let me borrow his x-ray eyes. Let me peer into your bank account and see, can I find any extra? Somebody shout extra, 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 extra. I'm looking for extra. Where's the extra? Well, let's start with coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the Starbucks you get or the Pete's <laughs> or the McDonald's or the... Uh, the Dunkin' Donut coffee. I'm talking about the coffee. You know, statistics say that we spend from 3 to $5 on a cup of coffee, and we spend about $25 a week. That's $100 a week just on coffee, extra. Let me see, can I find any more extra? Uh, what about, hmm, McDonald's, Burger King, Winnie's? Statistics says that the average person spends about $8 every trip you make to McDonald's, and we typically make about 44 trips a year to McDonald's, over $300 just for McDonald's. Somebody shout extra. Extra, what, what about uh, cable and internet, right? Statistics say that we spend roughly about $116 a month. That's, again, on average, a lot of us spending more, some spending less. Uh, about $116, over $1,000 a, uh, a year on cable and internet services. We have 900 channels, guys, but we only watch four. <laughs> and only three stations, three shows on those, on those four, baby, right? And then some of us have added Netflix and Hulu and, and Prime Time, whatever, right? We rarely use it all. Can somebody say Extra. 
Can I simply add, what about the lottery tickets here in America, right? I'm not talking about the person who only plays it once a year. I'm talking about the person who plays two or three times a week or once a week, $5. Yeah. Can you say extra? Now, I'm not saying you can't enjoy some of these different things. I'm just saying that if you count it up, there is some extra that you have, and you ought to pre-decide what you want to do with that extra. Now, let me back into my, one of my favorite stories. I've taught this uh, several weeks ago. I alluded to it last week. I want to revisit again. That's the widow mite. So let me just take I want to make two insights as I'm bringing, going around the corner and bringing this message to an end. As I'm challenging you that love cares for others. We should be using our time and our talents and our resources. That's what we're practicing in this Be Rich uh, campaign together. Yeah, because love cares for others. Not just for ourselves. Here's a great story. You'll recall it. You've been tracking with us. Mark 12 starts with this. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. And many rich people put in large amounts. Everybody shout large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Those two coins were about uh, equaled about half of what a U.S. penny is, right? Dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, you see this poor widow? Who thought she was invisible, by the way? She's given more than all the others who are making contributions. Somebody shout, she's given more. <laughs> given more. Than the bags of silver and gold? Yes, because what Jesus is pointing out, that what has actually moved him as he's watched people, and he's not saying anything bad about uh, wealthy people. He's just saying something great about this woman. He says what moves him is not necessarily the amount that we give, but the percentage that we give. And her percentage outweighed that of the others. Now, Here's a, here's a teaching point that I want to make before we move to a conclusion. I want to make sure that nobody thinks that this teaching, that this scripture is suggesting that you should intentionally make yourself destitute. Because I don't think that this woman made herself destitute when the text says she gave all that she had to live on. You see, because uh, what scholars, most scholars think when they look at the text is that this was an agrarian society and that she probably grew all of her food. And so she had food to eat. She was a widow so that her husband more than likely left her property to live in. She had a shelter over her head. So her her shelter was covered. Her food was covered. She, uh, she probably had well for water or city water. All of that was covered. So 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 that was taken care of. She took the extra the, the, what she made a living off of, which was maybe selling her crops or selling some cloth that she had made. And it was that that she ultimately gave. The suggestion is that she, she made a decision. She predecided, here's what I'm going to live on, and then here's what I'm going to give away. So that is the essence of the teaching of this message here. Look, I want to suggest to you, uh, 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 that you do the same. Next slide. I want to suggest to you that you predecide if you want to become a greater vessel for Jesus to use your time and a greater vessel for Jesus to use the resources that are in your life because the secret to greater blessing is to be a greater blessing. Check that out, right? 
uh, uh, so predecide what percentage of your income that you're going to live on. Is it going to be 80% or 70% or 60% or 9%? can't be 100%. To predecide, here, I'm going to live on this percentage and then predecide what are you going to save and then predecide what are you going to give away? What are you going to give away? This woman's percentage was high in terms of what she gave away. This is a unique insight here, right? I, we say to young couples when they get married, I try to tell them, look, if you predecide now what you're going to live on, let's say you're going to live on 80% of your income, easy number. Over the years, your income going, will increase. But if you just stay with, you say, I'm going, we're going to only live on 80% of our income, then your financial margin will grow. And at the same time, you're putting away money in your savings and you're putting away and you're also giving away. All right. Predecide. Well, someone said, well, what percentage should it be? I think the medium income in America is about $55,000. At least it was a few years ago. The average giving percentage is around 6%. So maybe for you, that's a good place for you to start. Notice this passage that really talks about where the money went that uh, this widow was was giving to uh, here. It underscores this and it also it, it, it hints at a percentage here. Watch this. It says uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 14. Listen to what it says. Uh, here's the context that people were supposed to bring their tithes as 10 percent of the crops they grew and what they resources they had on a regular basis to the local place of worship. But every three years, uh, there were these big storehouses that everything was to be piled into. And out of the storehouses that would be the reserves, people would be blessed. Watch, watch, here's the point. It says, at the end of every third year, bring the entire tide of the year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. They had a big storehouse. Just put it there. Give it to the Levites. These are the priests who's attending to the, to the, to the, to the worship place. They, they, they had no land allotment. They had no salary, no money. This is how they were to be taken care of. So give it to the Levite. A portion of it goes to them. A portion of it will go to the foreigners. That's the immigrants who have come and that is living among them. So you see, you have a responsibility to help take care of the immigrants. A portion of it goes to take care of the orphans, right? The people who have no parents. And we've got to find a way in our community to make sure that they're taken care of. And a portion of it goes to take care of the widows. And so when this woman just gave her widow might, come on, she was secure and taken care of. But she wanted to make sure that she could be a blessing to those who were not as blessed as she was, right? She was not as blessed. Those widows who were not as blessed. Orphans who were not as blessed. Immigrants. Everybody who was struggling. She was just like this amazing woman that you, you, you heard about, this uh, Miss Angelica, they were the same. That while she's waiting on her blessing, she's going to be a blessing. And through that, that, that act of generosity, blessings flows back into her life. Here's what the text says. So they, they, they make it so that other people can come and eat and be satisfied. In other words, be blessed. Then the Lord, your God will bless you in all your work. 
So figure out what percentage are you going to give away, right? What percentage are you going to live? What percentage are you going to save? What percentage are you going to give away? My wife and I, we started off with 10% because we use that tithing principle that the Scripture teaches in 10%. But for some people, that may be too much. You may want to start with six. You may want to start with three. But here's the idea. Each year, you need to pre- it needs to be progressive, right? You need to keep stretching and stretching and stretching and stretching and stretching. And here's the sequence. Give first out of your income. You get your check. First check, give. Second, save. Then you live on the rest. That's the sequence. Let me end it here. Matthew 6, 20 teaches this. Jesus says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. He says this, wherever your treasures is, well, you know what? There the desires of your heart will also be. Here's the ultimate teaching. If you cannot get lost in your own misery, if you you make the decision not to get lost in your own dream pursuit, to look beyond to see the needs of others. And if you make the commitment that you want to live the kind of life so that it be said about you that love cares for others, that, that, that you're going to make sure that you're pre-deciding how you're going to use extra time and your talent. You're pre-deciding how you're going to use extra resources and not just waste them. You know what? A lot of the challenges that we're experiencing in our lives, God says, if you seek to be a blessing to others, you'll discover blessings will flow back to you. Because at the end of the day, you know what? Love cares for others. And it always comes back to you. Amen and amen. Okay, now it's an opportunity for us to take a step forward towards love, towards a greater commitment to be an expression of a love that cares for others, to be an expression of God's heart. And so aim your phone at the QR code right here on the screen. It's going to go to our connection card and it's going to go to next steps with Jesus. And, you know, for somebody, this is the moment for the love of God to be born in your heart by your taking a step towards Jesus and saying, yes, I want to be a Jesus follower. I want him to be Lord and Redeemer of my life today, tomorrow and forever. Take that step forward. And scripture tells us that if we confess in our hearts, hearts and confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus has died and was raised from the dead, that he does that work of giving birth to the love of God in our hearts. Okay? There are some other options there as well. And then, it's one thing to have the love of God born in our hearts. another thing to develop it and grow it. You remember I said during the message, we've got to practice it to develop it. So, if you have not uh, signed on to being a part of our Be Rich to Others 2021 campaign, I want to encourage you under the response to the message and simply check, boom, sign me in. I'm signing up to be a part of this effort. There's no better way uh, to practice it than to do it in community. So I want to encourage you to join us in that effort. And then take a picture of this response, this reflection question, and uh, make sure you wrestle with it. What does the next level of generosity look like in my life? 